is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, 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 the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Welcome to the weekly news section or episode of Seattle Overload, where, as ever, I'm joined by Ty, and we have very exciting news because Geno Smith, Seahawks quarterback, has been named NFC Offensive Player of the Week, which I believe goes with some kind of fancy endorsement sponsorship thing, but no free ads here. Ty, Geno, amazing news. MV Geno, baby. MV Geno, the movement, it's on the trend upwards. We're soaring, we're flying, we're riding. Let's ride. So, yeah, I mean, duh. It had to be Gino, right? Carved up the lines, got the W. Like, you couldn't give it to Jared Goff, especially after he threw a pick six and lost. Mm -hmm. Only 45 points against this Seahawks defense. What are you, a scrub? Right, like, you know, quarterback wins. (laughs) Exactly. There are there are some more advanced metrics on Gino's side. Like the Seahawks offense right now, he they're first in combined quarterback EPA and CPOE, which is completion percentage over expectation. They're second in passing total points per game, um, as per SIS. Or sorry, just second in passing total points. They're second in true dropback, so that's no play action screen or run pass option points earned per pass play again per SIS. They're fifth highest in early down pass frequency, which shows the confidence they have in Geno Smith to just sling it around the yard. They're fourth in overall EPA to play, and then they're second in overall success rate. And that's league-wide ranks, guys. Like, they're real. And it's not just a flash in the pan game for Geno, although that this will have boosted uh, his hopes, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think Griff posted a screenshot of, like, the, the EPA per play plus CPOE composite leaders, and he's second right now behind Patrick Mahomes. He's ahead of Josh Allen, et cetera. Like, he's playing really great ball. Like, again, you know, I, I don't think he's the front runner by any means or anything like that, but I think if you're going to have a conversation about MVP, and if you're going to mention anyone other than, you know, Lamar and Patrick Mahomes, I think you have to mention Geno Smith right now. Does that mean that I think he's going to be an MVP candidate in, like, five weeks? <laughs> no, but, like, right now, the way that he's playing, the efficiency is through the roof. He's starting to get, you know, he's starting to rack up yardage and touchdowns and all that stuff that's going to, you know, go into factor. And uh, like you mentioned as well, the advanced statistics say that he's been, you know, again, not saying anything here other than just the facts that through the first four weeks of the season, Geno Smith has been one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL. It's been like a top four, top five quarterback, (laughs) statistically, at least. Yeah. And then you combine that with the tape, right? And and what you're seeing on on film, which we'll get to tomorrow, but you know the tape matches so it's quite nice the basic stats show he's playing well the tape shows he's playing well the broadcast even shows he's playing well and then the advanced metrics which we've just talked about they show he's playing well too now one other cool thing Pete Carroll he's he's obviously hyped about Geno Smith and he mentioned how it was very important the offense went 75% on third down and he also talks about how Smith's um years and all of his experience are kind of all coming 
to, to the table here for this successful stint. What it was really interesting, though, was speaking to Brock and Sulk, Mike Sulk asked him basically a stylistic question on him versus uh, Russell Wilson and and whether Waldron is sort of prefers like, you know, Smith's style in the offense and how that impacts it. And Pete basically said he went to the the Jared Goff thing that, you know, Griffin's harped on, I've harped on on the podcast, like how, you know, there are similar, like what Jared Goff was able to do in the Waldron offense or in McVeigh's offense back then, you can run similar concepts to that. But actually, and something I think Griff will bring to the table tomorrow, but actually I think we're seeing a bit of a kind of Stafford kind of concept blend, like if you think of that McVeigh offense, where it's a bit more kind of boldness from the shotgun, a bit more kind of five-step drop from the shotgun, along with the kind of training wheels, uh, bootleg kind of deal that we saw, well, in the first two games of the season before they got more expansive with it. Uh, And what was really funny is Pete Carroll said... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, and you know he didn't mention Russell Wilson, although there there was context around that being the thing. <laughs> but um, he he was saying that. Hold on, let me get this right. He was basically saying that both guys do what you tell them to do. So he'll t- <laughs> um he'll do exactly what you tell him. He'll execute the play exactly the way they practice it. There's a lot to be said for that, you know, as opposed to you know, when you don't know, you know, when guys are creative and innovating and stuff during <laughs> plays. And Gino's very similar and he's a real system guy. He gets it. And we have like, I mean, it's a complete 180. We've, we spoke about the stylistic contrast between him and the previous Seahawks quarterback, Russell Wilson, but seeing it play out is is funny. And it's actually, like, we were right. Our priors were right. Our, our research and our analysis on the, we were right about all of this. Like, not to toot our own horns too hard, but it's uh <laughs> great wording there, by the way, Pete. <laughs> like, <laughs> when guys are creative, when guys you don't know, that's uh that's a hell of a way to say Russell Wilson without saying Russell Wilson. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's everything that we've been talking about. We we knew this was coming. You know, not to toot our own horns, but we knew this was coming. Real ones knew. It's uh, it, it's clear as day, right? Like, Pete Carroll has always talked about wanting a point guard for a quarterback. Geno Smith is that guy. You know, I'm kind of interested, you know, because you've, you've watched the USC tape and you've gone back through those years um, with Pete and everything. Is he, like, the closest he's gotten to Carson Palmer at the NFL level? Ooh. That that's juicy. I like that because also I think you know Pete Pete used the term like kind of um, statuesque um, and in a in a positive sense, as in they're both pocket passes. Him and Goff when he was talking Goff, and I think like for him th- that kind of stylistic contrast, harking back to when he had a Palmer, harking back to when he had pocket guys. I think that must be so exciting because it it must be you know rejuvenating, like how. Oh, as I knock my whiteboard, uh, like how it was, um, you know, tiresome for fans and there was a fatigue around the team and that's completely understandable covering the team. It, it was tiring. You, you've you've uh, felt, I know, similar feelings to me around that. But the narrative mm-hmm. now is is just this new fresh thing. And, and, and from a coaching perspective, you have this new skill set to scheme around. You have this new person to, you know, work with. 
it's 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 fresh and it's fun and and it's working so far, which is amazing. And and Carol said in his radio interview as well that the offense now um, they're not reluctant to call any play and they're freewheeling. And he said it's the most open we've been in a time I can remember. So yeah. everything's on the table now because Gino's come through those first two games of uh, the kind of training wheels. Let's let's play a cautious approach. He's he's they've tried to expand it, and I think that Falcons game was kind of the transitional period where you know you can't Rome isn't built in a day. You, as I said in our, our reaction podcast, you can't do everything overnight, but you or even in a week rather. But you can try to adapt and expand a bit more. But then the Lions game, we saw everything on the table. Now I've watched that film, and we again we we must stop just saying stuff like this. But we will talk about the tape in our tape podcast tomorrow but like watching the tape it's there's everything every gino's in complete command it's like watching you know one of the best like nfl quarterbacks out there just orchestrating everything uh being a point guard you know ty like in in the in the positive sense of that he's he's distributing the ball to everyone he's getting the offense in the right play and he was basically flawless it's very 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 exciting well it's what i was saying on sunday on our post game show that he has such a command of the line of scrimmage and just is always just kind of on it and then just the way that he he executes right you see it on tape it's just it's flawless it's executing everything to pete carroll's vision and then some it's just he's so on time for the most part right like obviously sometimes he gets a little statuesque in the pocket you know, but for the most part, like he's he's on time and he's getting better at that. He's getting more. He's finding more consistency with that now. It's just it's something to watch, and it's and it's kind of it, it feels like it's indicative of the last you know seven or so years for Gino and the trips that he's made along the way, and sitting behind Eli and sitting behind Philip Rivers and sitting behind Russ and just taking all of that football and quarterback theory in and just turning it into his own. He's just he's like obviously he's not you know there there are some physical limitations there are some talent limitations that we've talked about but just mentally speaking like he play like he plays football he plays the quarterback position in one of the like the most in, uh, this is the only way that i could really describe it the most intelligent ways I've, I've seen like he's just so on mentally and so that's what i found most impressive over the first few weeks is that he's just he has full command of it he's just a, a football wizard <laughs> for lack of a better term really like right now like it's just it's it's incredible it's like it's almost like having a coach at quarterback it seems yeah yeah and and often when you get those kind of types where it's the coach at quarterback and they go on to be a coach right often but you you get that approach where it's almost frustrating because it's like they they know so much that they're thinking too much or they know so much that they end up just checking the ball down and it's basically what we you know a career backup where in the preseason they 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 just throw it to the running back over the middle each time and it's that but you know Gino's taking that and then pushing the ball down the field he's pushing the ball to every part of the field you know he's able to access every part of the field so I mean, there aren't the the other interesting thing as well is it's kind of a throwback to be this kind of pocket style quarterback who's yeah. back there. I mean, 
I how many it's a dying breed. It is a dying breed, and he's he's turning thirty two in uh on the tenth of October, I think. So four days time or five days time. But mm. um it it's gonna be interesting because after him in the league, like pocket like pure pocket wise, like he doesn't have that crazy ability like athletic ability in terms of he he has to step into throws he doesn't have all this upper body strength to to really talk throws when he, he has not stepped into the football he doesn't have crazy mobility like he has legs we've seen that i think he's seattle's uh, second leading rusher which i think more speaks yeah. to the fact that penny's also had a, a load of the work mm. but you know he, he has some mobility but there isn't like now like the whole fixation and like what I almost got caught into in the draft cycle is, you know, get this toolsy dude who can run around and and can extend after the play, uh, and and all this stuff. And it, you know, with, with like a Josh Allen, a, a Patrick Mahomes, uh, Malik Willis is is the latest example of this. But you know, there's a thing like can you actually play quarterback though? And Gino can play quarterback. He's playing yeah. quarterback, right? Like yeah. It's, it's super, super impressive. And obviously Schneider's like dabbled uh, in the kind of toolsy approach. Russell was very toolsy. And then, you know, rumored to, with Allen, rumored to like Mahomes. So, mm. there's, you know, would you like Gino to be able to run around a bit more? Yeah, probably. Would you like mm. him to be able to do some crazy kind of throws? Yeah, probably. But then also for every, you know, kind of dude like, like an Allen and Mahomes, you have like a... And yes, it's too early, but you have the kind of incidents with like, you know, a Zach Wilson, where it's suddenly like, okay, he's toolsy, he can he can sling it, he can run around a bit, but um in the NFL it's not worked out for him so far. And yeah, I acknowledge it's too soon, but it's difficult. Mm-hmm. It, you know, Mahomes and Mahomes and Allen don't go on trees and yet, you know, Gino is pushing them. Like in the advanced metrics, he's pushing them. Now, whether it can last, we're we're not so sure, but um It'll be fun to find out. It'll be really fun to find out. And his process should remain. Like, his process in the preseason was excellent. It didn't always translate into points, but it was excellent. And that's his process in 2021. You could see it. That's what made Griffin, especially early, a big believer. I was sort of waiting to see who who would actually win the job. But, you know, that was the same kind of process in 2021 in the limited action he got in an offense not designed for him. And now we're seeing the same process continue and continue and continue. And it's remained consistent. And, you know, there's no reason why he can't keep that same process up. So then there's no reason why it all just collapses, you know? Mm. Yeah. No, there's there's going to be some reliability throughout, right? We There's going to be some things that they are just going to have that that is always going to work for them and is always going to work for Gino. So there's there's something that we can depend on here. It's just how much can they continue to do what they have done over the last couple of weeks where it's like, okay, you get kind of punched in the mouth against the 49ers. Things don't work for you. How do you evolve from that? How do you move forward from that? What else do you introduce and can you execute that? And so that's going to be the challenge for them, right? Once the league starts to really figure them out and that's usually at the halfway point that, that the league really starts to, to, to get to know one another. How are they going to be able to sustain that kind of success over the final stretch of games here? And so 
I, I'm really interested because like I, I look at Gino and and you know, like you said, it's a dying breed, but you've you've made the like obviously you're not making Tom Brady comparisons, but you're making, you know, stylistic comparisons, right? Well, hey, Ty, Ty, do you want to hear some exciting data? Oh, okay. So um hold on. If I open this image, well, that's not right. Hey, here we go. So PFF Moo like the cow mm-hmm. tweeted Move. out what happens with each team's dropbacks 2022 NFL season weeks one to four all plays uh night and the top two teams in this chart is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where 92% uh targets uh 2% of thrown away 4% of sacks 1% of batted passes broken incomplete and the scramble doesn't exist and then next up is the Seahawks with 90% targets from drop packs, 2% scramble, which is basically that Lions game, 3% throwaways, 4% sacks, 1% batted pass. So the top two, you know, target teams from drop packs with, like, without scrambling, without any other weird stuff is Tom Brady and then Geno Smith. So the, t- the stylistic stuff again, I'm not mm. tripping, like, but again, it speaks to the fact they're both pocket dudes, you know? And it's a dying breed. Well, but the, you know, and the thing too is like, it can work, right? And like, obviously Brady is a special case because he's Tom Brady, but still like, Ever heard of Peyton Manning? Yeah, you can, you can still win in today's NFL with quarterbacks like that. And, and Gino can run a lot better than Tom can. So you have that added element. Also, Ty, think about the schematic direction of the league. Like if teams Mm -hmm. are camping out on these deep stuff, right? If teams are like making you carve them up with patient approach down the field, taking the intermediate, the short, taking the check down, you know, don't go broke, taking a profit, that kind of approach, you know, that kind of suits a pocket dude more. Yeah. So anyway, I I really do think that's the other thing with Gino. He's he's suited for the current like uh, defensive meta. Now, obviously, that shifts, but like. Lot of, lot of interest and stuff there. Now, <laughs> Ty, of course, the Seahawks used to be quarterbacked by um, a certain Russell Wilson, mm. who is obviously stylistically different, as, we, as I've already said tonight, and as I've basically said all since he left. Well, so, Russell Wilson uh, lost in his last game, <laughs> and kind of to emphasize these kind of stylistic di- differences and his troubles... Uh, relative to Geno Smith in his second in the second half of his loss to the what was the own three Raiders now they're one of three Russell Wilson went punt five and out punt three and out punt three and out punt three and out touchdown which was a really nice throw down the middle of the field on basically busted coverage but beautiful deep ball and then downs turned over four and out Denver only ran 48 plays in the entire game. They had just 12 first downs, and they went 3 of 11 on third down. Which, I mean, obviously, it is Denver. It's the whole Broncos offense. Javante Williams got hurt, by the way. They're doing some really weird stuff, which, again, Griffin at C-Mike spin move. He's not here tonight, but he's he's been harping on why are they not gun running and all this stuff. But, man, Russell's struggling, and then, to compound the misery, and I should check the injury report today, but 
in their they play Thursday night football against the Indianapolis Colts. So their uh, Monday injury report wasn't actually a real one. It was one of these like you know predicted or whatever they call it. Tuesday was a real injury report, and he's listed as limited with a shoulder injury. And the head coach Nathaniel Hackett described him. Wait, Maddie, 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 are you telling me that Mister Unlimited is limited? Well, I'm not telling you that. Nathaniel Hackett is uh, saying he's dinged up. (laughs) So, yeah. So that I mean. The Broncos, like, th- this is a pivotal point in the season because they're 2-2 two and two, and this could turn bad fast, but also, like, they're playing against Gus Bradley's cover three, which, I mean, I love Gus Bradley. I, I, I have probably a larger preference for the kind of Seahawks-style cover three than a lot of people do, especially when mm-hmm. Gus runs it like he does. But, uh, yeah, Russ should be fine, like, carving that up. He, he should be able to do that pretty simply and Hackett should be able to figure out like a, a better kind of balance and gun run. You know, he's hired this uh, dude to help him with game game management, which I mean, there's a lot going on on game days. It's his first year as a head coach, but also yep. like if they, they lose to the Colts, like that, that's going bad quick. Like that's, and losing Williams is big because Gordon's got a fumbling issue. They've got uh, Mike Boone who, yeah, I, I I don't I mean uh, running backs don't matter right but like also they kind of do when Javante Williams look yeah. way better than all the other running backs so and they they and they need Latavius to be able to Murray. run oh they did well that'll fix things yeah he, well, he played in a game this past week for someone else yeah he played for, I, I thought I yeah that's why I'm confused um yeah he signed him off the practice squad ah sneaky so they need yeah. to be able to run the football um because of who Russ is as a quarterback for uh, mm-hmm. and also how defense will defenses will play Russ, as we've spoke about when Russ was Seahawks quarterback. Yeah, gonna be really interesting. Like kind of a horror show Thursday night football matchup because the other quarterback, Matt Ryan, is also yeah, a bit of a mess, but um and the Colts are just a mess. But I'll be watching, kind of fascinated while we while we record our film podcast. Yeah. Same, same. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting, especially with the shoulder and now with Javante out for the year and the reliance on the run game. I mean, especially like if the shoulder is something, if it's not like just a little nick or whatever, like it's actually something that's bothering him, like they're going to need the run game for sure. Because he was getting smacked around that game as well. Yeah, and he has been. I mean, he's getting sacked 12 times i think that's like seventh most and uh how could the broncos front office let that happen i don't know i don't know how could how could garrett bowles let that happen i thought he wasn't gonna get hit there he wasn't gonna let him get hit there crazy yes yeah uh i love that stat though that that gino's that gino's only been sacked six times um i wonder what the pressures look like on that i haven't looked at that this week and he was sacked he was sacked uh zero times against the lions and was particularly impressive was when there was a bit of pressure coming from the tackles. Like I feel like their chemistry synced up. Like okay, the Lions pass rush ain't a, ain't a um a forty ers deal, right? But also like you know, Abe Lucas gives up an inside move, an inside spin move. You know that happens. But Gino just slides back with it, finds his open dude on the on the left side. Uh, Charles Cross gets like an inside stunt. Gino sees it. He works in the pocket with that. 
or he feels it, I should say, he works in the pocket that he finds an open dude. Like he's maneuvering and navigating around the pocket with his two rookie bookends. So pretty exciting. And and again, something that, you know, they're new in the league. Like yeah, it will take time. They're also new playing with Gino. Like that kind of chemistry needs working out. And yeah. his, his style is, I think, actually helping them because it's, there's always a timing element to him. If mm-hmm. it's quick game, the ball's coming out. You know, he ad- he adheres to play structure, as Carol was pointing out, as we mentioned. It'll be interesting to see how they um, how they fare against uh, New Orleans because they'll get Davenport, right? And, you know, they haven't really faced a pass rusher like that in a couple weeks here. Like, Falcons have, you know, whatever. And, like, Charles Harris and Aiden Hutchinson, eh. You know, so we'll see how that goes uh, this week. And, uh, you know, because obviously the, you know, Nick Bosa is going to be Nick Bosa. <laughs> so, you know, that that didn't go too, too well. But, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's been nice to see uh, the, the growth. And obviously, I mean, you know, Cross has been, you know, pretty much as good as advertised. And Lucas has been, I mean, I know he's kind of changed the narrative for you on him. Um, yeah, he's been like w- better, like way better. Yeah. I mean, just. Just a classic thing of, you know, I didn't see him do stuff, so I didn't know he could do it, but he's doing it. So, and I didn't see him play in a certain style because he perhaps didn't have those opportunities to do that, but now he's had the opportunities, he's doing it. And then the athleticism obviously translates. Like, he was the only offensive tackle who met all of the, like, superb athletic prototypes of the Seahawks. His short shuttle times. Nuts, mm-hmm. which is a pretty good indicator for tackles, how good they'll be. And you find that at right tackle, nice. Um, and I feel like he's just, you know, and they're again, they're both just getting started. So, yeah, yeah. So, like, what are they going to look like, you know, even just another four weeks from now? You know, like, what is that going to look like? It's, it's great. I mean, like, the, the Seahawks are set up so well, uh, for the future, like, with these guys. It's just, it's, I mean, they're already playing really, really good ball out of the gate. It's just like, wait until they figure it out. Like, that's awesome. And they have those guys under control for the next, you know, we'll cross for five years, Lucas for four. That's, yeah, the, the, that's, that's the building blocks right there. That's exactly what you need, especially when you're trying to do one of these, you know, quicker turnarounds where it's not, you know, going to be a three to four year deal. It's going to be more like a one to two year deal. Like you need to hit on those guys and you need to hit on those guys at premium positions. They're doing that right now, at least so far. So, you know, don't want to get it too far ahead of ahead of ourselves here, but like it, it's good. It's it's a good sign so far. Um, so I want to ask you, because uh, we... Um, all right, just mentioned New Orleans, so that's who's coming up here on Sunday. Seahawks are two and two. Everyone in the division is two and two right now. So if they win this game, and we'll get into some injuries and stuff because I, I, I there's some notable injuries uh, to talk about, especially on New Orleans' side of things. If they come out of the Superdome three and two, obviously these this defense still has issues. But how do you feel? Well, that. Now, correct me if my mathematics is wrong here. That mm. would place the Seahawks above 500, which would be a winning record. How exciting. Mm. Uh, mm. I'd feel really positive because then you've got Arizona, right? And Arizona looks like a complete mess. Like That Carolina game, what on earth was that? Like, I, I was trying to watch the, the some of the tape of that, and I was like, mm. nah. 
don't think I'll be doing them this week. Um, yeah. Just, just put that to the side and throw it in the bin or, you know, delete it and put it in my recycling and then permanently remove. They're a mess and they're the kind of defense who will do a, kind of what the Lions did. But, and by which I mean, I think they'll dare, you know, they'll dare, you know, to beat the blitz, dare, you know, to beat one-on-one coverage outside. And, you know, he did that against the Lions and DK is DK. Um, so that's an opportunity. And then, you know, offensively, they're, they're already really predictable. Like, usually that happens in the second half of the season. But, I mean, not having Hopkins for these... Is he missing this this game? I, I realize we're previewing the Saints game, but I've already gone into the Cardinals. But, but the yeah, point is, yeah, yeah. The, the next one is his last game, right? On the suspension, yeah. yeah. And obviously, he's a big miss in their offense. But the point is, if Seattle's three and two, I feel really good about them going four and two. Uh, you know, and th- and that's a, that's a then suddenly four and two extrapolates six, twelve, eighteen. Except we play seventeen games, but you know. 10, 10 and 7, 11 and 6, and 10 and 7 is what I think I was feeling at the start of the season. Yeah, that's not out of the question. And with a young roster, with all these kind of development things going on, you know, you're playing y- your young guys. That is so, so good. Like, that's so exciting. Yeah. Plus, you might have an answer at quarterback. We'll see how that continues. But because if, if the offense continues like being half decent, right? Or, well, it's quality yeah. right now, but. If the offense regresses slightly and the defense does its second half of the season thing where they actually become good, like watch out. Like I don't think the offense is going to stall in a way, touch wood and all that, but I don't think the offense is going to stall in a way that they would have in years past because I think, yeah. like we said, Gino gives you a, a baseline, right? And then I think, encouragingly, there's meat on the bone in the run game, the pass game. Now, I found it interesting... Metcalf kind of likened the way the Saints play defense to the way the Lions tried it. Um, now I think the Saints are a bit more talented, and I think they're a bit more savvy and a bit more experienced. Yeah, I think Marshall and Latin was a better corner than Jeffrey Okuda. Yeah, not that Jeff is a bad corner actually, but. He just got bullied. I think Latimore's a bit more, again, a bit more savvy. He probably won't be. Uh, he probably won't rely on like physicality and try and outmuscle DK all the time. I think there'll be a bit more like guile to his play and, mm-hmm. and all that goodness. So that that's going to be a great matchup. But again, like if if you're going to like Gina was so on point against the Sky stuff. Like I don't actually think the Lions were that bad defensively. I think Gino's that good. Which I mean, I I didn't necessarily expect that. But it wasn't like all these individual mistakes from Detroit. They were carrying out the call on defense. The call kind of mm-hmm. made sense. Gino was just on point. Like he was seeing that. Now they might have some predictable tendency tells, but then every team has tendency tells. But also it's a short it's a small sample size. But it is also before like defenses will have started really trying to change that up. So and no the the big thing in the New Orleans game as well, Ty, like how mm. how did they play in London and then like you messaged the chat like this and I was like, nah, that's yeah. not right. And I'm like, oh, it is right. How do you play in London and then yeah, do you know what, guys? Um, you have to play next week. Like, how does that work? Yeah, what the hell? I thought it was mandatory that you get a bye week after any of the international games. Even if you're playing in Mexico, I thought you got a bye week after that. Like, that blows my mind. So now you got these guys going on 
not necessarily short rest, but they have to travel, you know, for what is how long is a flight from London to the US? Do you know? Well, whereabouts in the US? The US is quite a big country. Well, so. all right. So, so New Orleans. So, so I'd say east, like eight hours. Eight hours. Yeah. New Orleans like, isn't that's southeast, right? Yeah. It's southeast. Yeah. Yeah. South Central. <laughs> South Central. So, yeah, you know, they have to do all the travel and all that stuff. And then they got to get back to work literally the next day, watch tape, do all that, go through walkthroughs, get back to practice. And they're dealing with have have food, brush your teeth, sleep. Say hello to the the family. Unless unless you're Russell Wilson, then you have no time to sleep. But uh, typically sleep if you're, you know, a regular person, unlike Maddie. Um, Yep yeah so <laughs> you know and now they have all these injuries that they're dealing with right like well, they already, and also like why did like uh all the injured players travel to london like did were they yeah, on a jolly or something like having a having a good time on the lash yeah in london town yeah, yeah yeah what do you what do you do to have fun in london maddie well there's lots of things it's a capital city mm, indeed. there's all kinds of fun activities but like the big wheel and big ben mm, of course of course but what a... but i don't know why they they traveled and then like this week alvin kamara sounded confident that he's going to play on sunday but like james winston still has like a multiple fractures in his back so i yeah. don't think he'll play uh <laughs> andy dalton's next up michael thomas is hurt again like they're they're not talent wise like the offense. If the Seahawks defense struggles again, and they struggled when the Lions had everyone out, but like come yep. on Seahawks defense, stop the individual errors, just cut cut it all out. This is your opportunity. And like Seattle defensively tied, they're blessed with like relatively good health. The only news being that Daryl Johnson is uh, and obviously Adams is out, but yeah, from the last game, Daryl Johnson got uh hurt. Sounds like he'll come back at some point, but I think Carol mentioned a stress fracture in his foot. Mm. Clint Hurt said that Christian Jones, aka Christian Cheese Jones, Cheese. is going to come in to replace Johnson as that kind of edge-setting edge outside linebacker. And Pete also mentioned how they, they did a few things substitution-wise to keep changing their looks um, as, as like a new scheme last Sunday. So I, I think that kind of refers to the, the higher usage of like five down, like bare kind of fronts, even like in nickel, which we were calling for. But uh, yeah, the, I asked you a question. What was it? Oh yeah. The, the, the defense tie. Mm. I mean, this Relatively is good health. It, they should be better, right? Come on. Yeah, they should be, they should be in theory, you know, uh, hopefully, I mean, this is like the perfect opportunity for you to kind of have a feel good game, right? Like saints are banged up. They're coming off of a trip overseas. Like there is a lot of stuff working in your favor here, just in terms of like all the, all the stuff, you know, all the outside stuff going on with, with new Orleans. So Take advantage of it, please. I don't want to watch you give up. Please, do, just don't give up forty something points to Andy Dalton. Just don't, don't do that. Don't do that, please. Like that do would, you, I think that would destroy us. Would we even have a show on Sunday? Even if they win, like if the we'll have a show. Up, but I, I may have for the first time. I will may have to have a scotch with me on on, on the show. Yeah. Um, 
yes, I look young. I'm old enough to drink. Do not snitch. Um, <laughs> um, the <laughs> the other thing, like, do you think the league was like, okay, we're gonna screw the Saints over, but what we'll do is we'll make Seattle go to Detroit uh, on a 10 a.m. start, make them fly back, and then. <laughs> We'll send them to New Orleans for it's another 10 a.m. start, right? You think they're yeah. you think in their mind, like working out the miles of that, but, but probably the, not too far off. Because you think about all these East Coast teams, which are basically next door neighbors. Yeah. I I yeah, I should probably have done some prep and worked out the mileage there, but but like the Seahawks have been good in these 10 a.m. games. They've lost oh, like only one. They've they're lost dominant. like one of their last 15 or something. <laughs> like I'm still scarred from uh like early Legion of Boom, I think. Yeah, when they, they yeah, used to when go out to like awful. Miami and yeah. it's like, what on earth? Like, do they have alarm clocks? Like, what's going on here? Just take a caffeine tablet. Take it, take it for Matty F. Brown. Yeah, the, I, yeah. Well, I prefer coffee. I prefer it in yeah. the liquid, like coffee tasting form mm. rather than. Have you ever had a caffeine tablet? It's pretty grim. Like, it's, I no. wouldn't recommend. No. Well, they always do it like weird flavors. And it, well, no, they're not weird flavors. It's just bad. Mm, would not recommend yeah i've never had one of those like five hour energies or anything like that i've never never done any of that so that's that that shit is whack so (laughs) don't (laughs) don't do that so uh yeah so like this team still has like talent obviously like chris olave has been pretty good this year um and that's about it (laughs) on offense at least like without outside of uh michael thomas uh i mean like for some reason, Taysom Hill is still a thing. He actually had a good game against the Falcons. Like, I don't know how that's still working in 2022. He's hurt, though. He's got a rib injury. Jarvis Landry uh, has an ankle injury. Alvin Kamara's returned to practice. He's not necessarily back. I was about to say that he's back, but he's not necessarily Yeah, no. Back. He, well, he was talking like he's going to be back. Yeah. Mm. So we'll see. Um Marcus May was London. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Marcus May uh has a rib thing. He's he's limited. Andrews Pete is limited. So they have like some actual uh noteworthy names here that are also limited. So we'll yeah, see. Yeah, so Seattle's stacking up pretty good because the, the news on the offense is that Rashad Penny today was limited in practice with a shoulder injury. Well, shoulder thing. But uh yeah. I mean that's not great. Like Penny's first game where it's like get getting some good opportunities to go break one and lo and behold he does and he shows that amazing explosive ability it would be good if he could play now there's no reason to think he can't other than the fact he's limited today but flat out didn't practice oh he just didn't practice yeah he just didn't practice at all there you go bad podcasting from me but then you know, Walker behind him is the depth piece. Like he still seems a bit soon for him. Still, he's still getting up to speed with the NFL, and mm. he's still kind of learning some of the plays. Although no busted assignments against the Lions, as far as we know. So that's the first game. What good on you, rookie? Like first game where uh, it's all sort of come together a bit more. But there's still time mm. that is needed, I think, for him. And then, you know. We barely saw Dallas against the Lions. Penny kind of just took up the passing down role. But Dallas coming, getting a, a lead role, like, you know, it's obviously not the same kind of explosive ability. And I do think this New Orleans game is a game where Seattle 
may have to lean on the run a bit more. Like I've mentioned that there's meat on the bone in both the pass and the run game, like in terms of for avoiding regression, especially in the second half of the season. But I think this game, you know, week five, I think if this I think the Saints have the ability to clamp up Seattle's passing game a bit better than the Lions did with it kind of with the same approach the Lions are trying to do. Mm-hmm. So if if that happens, running the ball is always helpful. Uh, just to take pressure off uh, the quarterback, primarily. Mm-hmm. So, going back to the Seahawks defense as well, Ty, something which came up was Pete Carroll, Clint Hurt. Uh, well, Hurt mentioned it, but Carroll repeatedly mentioned it throughout the week, saying they need to eliminate explosives and penalties on defense, which is always every damn year. that Well, every year we've had a slow start, which it seems like every year, recently like every damn year mm-hmm. um they mentioned this like too many penalties too many explosives and i guess it's a way of kind of honing in you know let's have like an achievable goal each week because again things don't happen overnight it's a process there has to be some patience there but if you focus on having less explosives each week and less penalties then suddenly everything else will improve off that so it's both good uh measuring sticks to achieve that via and i tweet out the explosives every week and they allowed 12 against the lions um and that's not including the penalty ones so it's probably pushing 15 16 which is painful uh they classify an explosive as a run of 12 yards or more and a pass of 16 yards or more but like i mean hawkinson had that like 80 plus yard run (laughs) catch and run it was bad um so Really hopefully bad. they can hopefully they can rally around that mantra. The other uh the other quote regarding the defense that the last one I wanted to touch on was they're still expanding their mm. five down uh like nickel bear look is what Carol said. It's okay. a variety of calls and configuration with the guys out there. And he said they're still expanding that. So good because they need to do that and it seemed to work against the Lions and Hurt was like making a big point about how they played one like like some good bits, like almost like a good half, and then it all went downhill. Yeah, that was a big reason for it. Actually, playing Nickel Bear and Carol's mentioning playing Ryan Neal more, which again that ties in with that because you can have him in and then Josh Jones as well, and Ryan Neal perhaps playing in the box with Josh Jones playing deep. Hopefully, you know that's the schematic kind of variety and help that they need because Carol's like big on their interior down three, the guys who are on the interior of the bare front when it go comes out there. You know, your your Al Woods, mm-hmm. your uh, your Brian Monet, although that's not a good example. Al Woods, Shelby Harris, Quinton Jefferson, that kind of yeah. Puna Ford, Puna. Jefferson. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that kind of three, they they're good. And they are like they're, they're good at that. They just need to kind of mix it and match it and mm-hmm. match personnel better, which was a problem I had against the Falcons, uh with the Seahawks game plan against the Falcons. They they didn't do a good job of that. But yeah, that's all I had on the the defense really tie, and and the quotes today. Obviously, mm. we haven't heard from Shane Waldron until he starts speaking on a Wednesday. We won't get to uh, analyze his uh, <laughs> his press conference. But honestly, I'm quite glad they do it this way round because Waldron is a man who keeps his cards close to his chest. He's the anti shoddy. Oh, poor old Trotty. Yeah, all shoddy, all shoddy. 
yeah, so you know, we'll uh we'll see how it goes. Uh but the things are lining up pretty well for the Seahawks this week, I would say. Uh going into New Orleans. It's going to be um it's going to be a big game for the defense like we talked about. You know, this is a prime opportunity for them to, you know, like I said, this is kind of the big opportunity for a um, feel good game. And if you can have one of those and maybe build on some things and limit the explosives and limit the penalties and you know, again, I've been saying this for the last few weeks on here. That kind of stuff is going to happen when you're playing a lot of young guys, when you're playing a lot of guys that have just generally not played a lot of NFL football. Uh, and so, you know, hopefully just with time that, that starts to kind of fix itself. And the more that they focus on that, that, that kind of fixes itself. And, you know, hopefully that starts this week. Cause like, God, the products that we've been seeing is atrocious. I want to see something better. I want to see a competitive defense, just something competitive. They're still going to give up a lot of yards and points, et cetera. I just want to see a little more like none of this 81 yard touchdown BS and stop missing so many freaking tackles. Stop doing all that. Like, let's just play a fairly clean game and maybe limit, you know, Andy Dalton and the saints to like 23 points. Yeah. We'll give him, 23 maybe yeah, maybe less like, we could we yeah, have less. yeah 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 18 could we yeah that, we, what 18 that, in there that, that'd be great that'd be great but uh, no this defense let's say 23 <laughs> let's say 23 and then hopefully gino can uh cook because i don't think like you know as good as gino was and as nice as the seahawks offense looked you yeah. cannot win football <laughs> expecting your offense to score 48 points a game like i okay. can't do it um, I'm sorry to break that to people, but uh, yeah. So, because uh, afterwards, Ty, like, I'm just looking ahead. Saints, Cardinals at home, at the Chargers, who, you know, Herbert's dealing with uh, real bad um, rib issue, yeah. which can't get better, unless he, like, sat out for the whole season, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Then at home to the Giants, at the Cardinals, like, you could put together a run if your defense, you know, has a bounce back kind of deal, you know, that's like. And look, you know, I I've said six wins, you know, yeah, and I and I've said I think I think nine wins gets you in in the NFC. The NFC sucks this year, so like, I, I, I if you can get on a run here where you actually get to five or six wins, can you imagine for eight and two? imagine but like like if they can get into if they can head into that tampa bay game in germany like with five or six wins under their belt it's time to start talking like playoffs for this team like that's a like if they can get the defense figured out and this offense can stay above regression enough or stay ahead of regression enough they're going to be in a good spot. They're going to be able to compete. Like they're, I don't know if they're going to be able to, you know, go into Arrowhead stadium on Christmas Eve, you know, later this season and, and compete with them. But like these mid tier teams, the, the, the Raiders of the world, like they can Panthers. go toe to toe with, yeah, the Panthers, like they Jets. can go toe to toe with those guys. Jets. Like, yeah, the Jets, like all the, like they can win those games. I can wrap my head around it. Like there's only like three games where I'm like, probably not right now. Yeah. So, you know, again, it, it comes down to getting the defense going because, like, like you said, you're not going to score 40 plus points every single week. But if you can, you know, keep offenses to 20 or so points, 
I think this offense can, you know, drop 24, 27 fairly consistently. So we'll see. But I think they're in a pretty decent spot right now. And we'll see after this week. And if they go two and three, they go two and three. And that's what it is. And, you know, so be it. Right. And it's probably because of the defense. Right. Yeah. So there we go. So we'll, we're excited to find out. Tomorrow, we will have our podcast looking at tape from the previous victory at the Detroit Lions. And then on the Sunday live or on the Monday morning, if you listen to us, we will have the recap from the Saints game, live reaction, live analysis, all that good stuff. Until then, please do like, subscribe to this channel if you're watching on my YouTube and share the show, like retweet it. Follow at Seattle Overload. Follow Ty at Dane GNZLZ. Yes, I say Z. Get over it. Or follow me at Matty F. Brown. And please do subscribe to the podcast and download it. Even if you're watching on the YouTube, if you just like, you know, everyone has a bit of Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Spreaker or mm. one of those. It helps us. And a five-star review would, would not go amiss either. We really appreciate you, especially those of you who joined us live because that's awesome seeing you here. A lot of pressure performing. But, uh... mm. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> Do you have issues though. performing, Ty? No. Okay. Right. That's it. <laughs>